Longhorn Nation. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Texas is back, folks. Oh, yes. Oh, Christ. We're back. Welcome back. For the first time in way too long to the Fire Steve Sarkeesian podcast, your overreactionary Texas Longhorns football fan podcast. For those of you who don't know, my name is Josh and I am joined by my co-host Noah today as we embark on something a little bit different. But before we get into that, first off, it's been quite a while actually, Noah. How how are you? I, I think the last time I saw you was actually when you were in town here. I think so. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time. So that was spring break. Uh, yeah, I mean basically the equivalent of spring break uh, in March. And I don't know if we've done an episode since then. I think we may have recorded at some point, but I don't know if we've actually posted an episode uh, like since the fall. Um, so yeah, it's been good. How are you? Good. Uh, not too bad. Got through a, uh, a capstone course for a master's degree. So we're on the home stretch with some specialization stuff. So that's exciting. And so... So far, so good, but I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to uh, have this episode in front of us as we do something different than we've done before, especially uh, for those of you who might be ingesting content either on this camera or on this camera here as we're doing a visual thing here because we're, we're, we're basically going to do hot ones. We're in- just, uh, oh, oh, I was going to say we just can't deprive the world of our faces anymore, but you know, hot ones. That too works as well I guess. <laughs> yeah so uh yeah it's time that we sort of showed the world who we are but also because we're going to do or at least i'm going to do the hot ones challenge while we d- give hot takes for this episode for those of you who aren't familiar with hot ones simply put they bring celebrities on for a talk show and they just go from go through a bunch of hot wings going from the least hot to the hottest hot wing that they have series of 10 wings so basically maybe every five six minutes we're gonna eat another wing or at least i'm gonna eat another wing that is gets progressively hotter we'll talk about a new topic with a progressively hotter take unfortunately noah you've got just normal hot wings a couple i mean they sound good but it's not quite the same yeah uh yeah you refuse to cook wings and mail them to me so i'm left on the outside looking into the hot ones experience uh I did pick up some wings from just a local joint here in Arlington. So I got some garlic parmesan and some hot lemon wings. Honestly, I might like mine more than you like yours, but you know, it's not quite, doesn't, it's not going to hit quite the same. Uh, no. So, I mean, I, I'm sure, yeah, you will definitely enjoy your hot wings probably a lot more. Uh, they will probably taste better, especially there at the end. I do have, for those of you who are familiar, know that Da Bomb is sort of legendary for being the worst of the hot sauces on Hot Ones. So that'll be wing number eight. So I, I guess with that, uh, since you're going to be sort of uh, hopefully the le- the more comfortable person eating wings, why don't, why don't you introduce the first topic? What are we talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll I'll introduce the topics you can eat while you're while I'm going through the t- reading through it uh, and then just, you know, come out. Once you're done with the bite, give me, give me something hot, Josh. <laughs> if it, I guess yeah. if it's if the take and the wing are deserving of it, then you know. Um, but yeah, first topic. Uh, again, starting with the tamer takes, and then we'll work our way up to the spicier ones. 
So the Longhorn Network did not do a good job broadcasting the spring game this year. Uh, this is one I think that anybody who watched the spring game is probably going to be able to agree on it. Hence why it's something easy is where we're starting off. Um, but, you know, I got to say that typically whenever I watch football, I'm actually wanting to watch football. Uh, and more specifically, I'm wanting to watch the plays that happen during the game. Uh, so whenever a broadcast doesn't actually show some of the plays that happen during the game, it's usually not a good thing. Josh is nodding. I think he's agreeing with me. I am. Um, I am. Yeah, okay. it was It was rough. I think I posted something on Twitter to the effect of asking whether or not someone already had told the Longhorn Network that they weren't coming back once we joined the SEC, that they were just going to be getting banished to the Shadow Realm uh, once the SEC Network was the big game in town. So, yeah, absolutely horrible job. Admittedly, I, I think Sark sort of caught him off guard with the different format, even though he did announce it like nearly a week before the actual game. But, I mean, a lot of commercials, really, I for those of you who don't know, I do edit all of the games that get posted on the uh, Our Longhorn Nation Game Archive channel on YouTube. So I went through and edited that. The, the amount of commercials really wasn't extreme. What was extreme was the amount of plays they missed. You're talking about 18 minutes of commercials and a, a broadcast that took like, I think it was like 84 minutes, which isn't a bad ratio, but it is a bad ratio when 15 of those 18 minutes, they come back from commercial and tell you about the play that you just missed. That that sucks. That was yeah. by far the worst experience of any game that's ever been broadcast, I think, on the Longhorn Network. I don't think any spring game has been that rough, much less any actual game on there. Yeah. And you know, they could have just not said anything. We never would have been. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. It's not a normal. I mean, I guess there's like downs and distances, but like it's not a normal game. So it's not like you know every play and you're keeping up with every play and there's a box score. Like, um, but did you hear that Walter Cronkite is a Longhorn legend? I did hear that. You know, the, the real hot take here is that it was all planned. They're all Quinn Ewers stands because we saw Quinn Ewers bomb. But we didn't get to see Quinn Ewers' interception. We have no idea how bad that was. We got like one angle of a replay, and that was the end of it. So, I mean, they were the fix was in. Everyone at Longhorn Network wants Quinn Ewers to be QB1 this season, which I think is the case for a lot of Longhorn Nation, but they definitely uh, tilted the tables a little bit. Gerrymandered the districts, if you want to get real political with it. Yeah, that's certainly a hotter take than <laughs> the original one we had. Um, but you know, do you have an opinion on this on the uh, QB battle after the game? Um, I mean, I thought yours looked like the guy. Uh, a lot of the same issues that you saw with Hudson Card last season. Uh, he he plays a lot more loose when he doesn't know that he's gonna die, and not getting hit makes him play a lot more loose. And even still, Quinn Ewers just looked like a guy. I mean, the arm talent was there. That bomb to Isaiah Nair, uh, who, as, um, what was it, Care Bear Kieran on Twitter put it, was putting his nuts on people's shoulders. He That was a that was a great throw, great pass, great play. I think everyone after that one was just like, you know what, it's it's yours. It doesn't matter what card does the rest of this game. <laughs> yeah, did Hudson Card play? Did he take snaps? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't see now, the rest of the game. Yeah. Uh, personally, you know, I am not going to assign anything to a spring game. It's just my... My personal conviction after being forged in fire the last, <laughs> the last decade or so 
so, you know, I didn't have any big takeaways. I thought they both looked fine. They both had ups and downs. But, you know, it's all about kind of what Sark is able to work with them and, uh, like, how much of it he can fix in the next couple months. So, for sure. Uh, yeah, next one. Next one, let's do it. All right, so wing slash take number two. Uh, the take is that Tashard Choice and Brennan Marion were both excellent hires. Um, you know, I think it's true. Uh, Brennan Marion, I think they're, they're a little bit different. They're both young, they're both energetic. I think they're both good coaches. But in terms of the actual hires, I do them a little differently just because... Uh, you know, I think that Marion is kind of a stopgap. He'll probably be off to be a big time OC here in the next. If he if he's here longer than two years, I'm going to be surprised. Uh, but Shard Choice, I think, doesn't have as clear of a path uh, to the next coaching job. You know, because if he's going to take a lateral move, there's not a whole lot of schools that you'd rather be the running backs coach at than Texas, especially given the talent we have in the pipeline. Um, so you know, I don't really see him as being like a big OC candidate in the near future. Uh, and he's still pretty young, so I'm not sure he'll be getting head coach looks. Um, so you never quite know, but I see him being, as having like a higher potential to kind of stick around like Drayton did. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's reasonable. Uh, I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about Brennan Marion. Obviously, uh, the recent miss on Jordan Addison is disappointing, but the fact of the matter is that's, that's a, a shot during transfer recruitment that you don't have without Brennan Marion. No Brennan Marion, that that visit doesn't happen, much less all of the excitement that went with it. Um, I, I'd say his coaching remains to be seen, but, he, I mean, he coached Jordan Addison. The The pit wide receiver core last year was way better than, that, than they had any business being, even outside of Jordan Addison. But... I've also said that about a lot of coaches that have come to Texas and then fallen flat on their face. So I guess to some degree, his, his coaching at Texas remains to be seen. I, I think recruiting on the trail, certainly a huge jump up from Andre Coleman, which is great. We needed that for sure. And just being able to inject speed and raw talent into that room is going to be huge for improving Sark's offense. On the Tashard choice angle, uh, I think you're absolutely right. He's a guy that could stick around a lot longer. Uh, I would say Brennan Marion. You said you'd be surprised if he's here past two years. I'll be pleasantly surprised if he's here next year, honestly. He's just, even if he's not necessarily great, doesn't coach Xavier Worthy to a Blitnikoff necessarily this year, he's just very much a mercenary guy, which more power to him. I mean, go get the bag, do whatever you got to do, take that next step, advance your career. And if that's somewhere outside of Texas, I get it. I hope that's not the case, but I get it. With the shard choice, though, um, definitely a lot younger than uh, Stan Drayton. Definitely doesn't have the skins on the wall, at least as a developer. But as a recruiter, obviously already paying dividends, already back in the race on on uh, who is it? Ruben Owens Ruben there. Owens, yeah. And a big thing just with him being younger, having more energy. I think once he's able to get that big fish, and I mean we've already got one running back in the in the fold already. <coughs> Uh, once he's able to get that all locked down, we're looking at a uh, a guy who can definitely be the volume recruiter that we were hoping Stan Drayton could be. Drayton could recruit his own position. I mean, we have a great running back room right now because of Stan Drayton. But it's going to be nice to see that more traditional role of a running back coach 
recruiting everywhere, not just his own position. And I think Tashard Choice is going to be great for that. Yep, I certainly agree, especially whenever you have a staff that does have a couple weak spots uh, in terms of recruiting. Um, you know, I think a lot of times it's harder to bridge that gap whenever you're coming from like an offensive position group trying to recruit somebody on defense. Uh, not to throw anybody under the bus specifically here, but uh, you know, I, I'm, I'd love to see Tashar Choice try, and I think that you know his connections to uh, Georgia um, and kind of out of the state can be valuable in a lot of those like outside position group um, recruitments. So. Yeah, um, I'm excited for it. Brennan Marion, uh, even if he's gone next year, like everywhere he's been, if you look at his head coaching record, or just coaching in general, every stop that he's at, this, the team improves, like substantially in the win-loss column. And it's not just whenever he's had like a big role, because he did some like high school head coaching, but literally everywhere he goes, the team gets better. Um, so, you know, a little bit of an unstoppable first force versus an immovable object <laughs> object here. Like, will we be back or will Brennan Marion fall short? Who knows? Uh, but like, I am pretty excited to find out and just kind of see how he does. I'm still really hoping that we're going to see some of uh, the go-go concepts make their way into the offense this year. We didn't see a whole lot of it in the spring game, um, but that's also something you might not want to show publicly for a scrimmage, right? Um, so, We'll see how much of that Sark is willing to kind of incorporate. Um, but regardless, I think Marion, just on his own coaching merits and recruiting, has proven to be like a, a pretty good hire so far. Definitely. Well, number three. How how number is three. the uh, how are the sauces treating you so far? By the way, I mean the first two are just are good. They're I mean the first one for those of you who don't know is just the hot ones. They just have their classic hot sauce and. I mean, that's a pretty good description for it. It's it's hot sauce. It doesn't taste dramatically different from your, I mean, your Cholula. That's about that level of, like, that just sort of hot sauce. And then the other one was Dawson's Hot Sauce Cedar Smoked Garlic. So that was number two right there. Uh, not a sponsor, by the way. Just sort of, they are the second one. But, I mean, they taste good. I'd eat, I'd eat wings that were sauce with these whenever, so. All right. That's good. I'm hoping that isn't the case for all of them. I want to oh no, I, I I can but. already tell the second one was already noticeably hotter. It's not okay. It's not bad at all, yeah, yeah. but it's it's definitely hotter. All right, good, good. Okay, number three. Uh, you know, this one is another temperature related take that we're going to have here. Um, the temperature at kickoff of the Alabama game will be lower than their margin of victory. So, again, we're starting off with some easy ones. I expect that Alabama is going to beat us by less than 100 degrees. Um, don't know the exact temperature at kickoff, of course, but let, let's just kind of play it safe and say 100 degrees. Um, so I'm thinking we can keep it closer than that. Uh, Josh, do you think that we can beat Alabama? Giving you the big question with the I mean, pool. any given Saturday, right? Feels like it applies to just about everyone but Alabama. I mean, if, if Zach Calzada can beat Alabama, then surely... Right. If a shitty folded pizza can beat Alabama in in Kyle Field, admittedly, uh, if A&M can beat Bama, Bama is not bulletproof. The one thing I will say is my second team 
My my second team, the school I ultimately ended up graduating from T-shirt fan here, sort of. I did attend Texas for a little bit. I graduated from Colorado State University. And it really wasn't that many years ago. CSU had Jim McElwain as the head coach. He was the offensive coordinator at Bama before he went to CSU. And CSU played at Alabama like within two years of McElwain being hired. Everyone thought for sure Texas or that CSU's getting blown out. Because it's a G5 school playing Ala fucking Bama. Nick Saban's Alabama. CSU actually kept it pretty damn close. It was, I think, 17 to 6 late into the third quarter. And I think it ended up being 31 to 6. So obviously not a win for CSU, but a lot closer than you would have expected. Even for what was a pretty good CSU program under Jim McElwain. So I'm just saying, having some knowledge of how that program works on the inside, I think has more benefits than people realize. And I think it could also lead to, if we show out better than most people think, that it's going to give us very much this um, paper tiger sort of appearance. We're, we're going to stick around closer with Alabama than we really should. Um, it's going to be totally possible for us to win. I don't expect us to win. And at least the way you worded this was that the temperature at kickoff was going to be lower than the margin of victory. So if it's 100 degrees, you're saying they're going to win by more than 100. No, no, no. The, uh, That's oh, how you phrased no, it. Sorry, sorry. I, meant, I meant the opposite. Because we're, we're, we're <laughs> staying with the we're staying It was with a the much takes. hotter take. Yeah, I was whenever... going to say, God damn, I hope it is snowing in Austin, Texas in September. Yeah, no, the the, mar- the temperature will be higher than the margin of victory. That's, that's yeah. what I'm at, so. Yes, uh, I do think we will lose by less than, shit, a cold, a cold September day, less than 95. I think we will lose by less than 95, for sure. Okay. Um, so, two things, just off of what you're talking about there. Um, first, you mentioned having some sort of familiarity with the Saban program can prove beneficial. I'm going to push back a little bit. Because this past year was the first time that Saban actually lost one of his assistants. So how beneficial can that really be if it's literally only been done once? Like, Saban has, like, built a career off of smacking around his former assistants. I guess guess I'd like to see how the average margin of victory for Power 5 teams against Nick Saban compares to the average margin of victory for those games. Nick Saban assistants? Nick Saban assistants, specifically. This is true. As a as a researcher, you know you gotta. I respect that. You gotta actually look at the context. You gotta have stats. It, like, I mean, it, it was a data tests. analytics masters that I was working yeah. on. So it's gotta We're be. Just, yeah, there's just there's just no way to know. Mostly because I don't think either of us want to put in the effort to pull all. <laughs> yeah, that's basically that what it boils down to. I don't care enough to try. Yeah, um, and then the second thing I've forgotten. So probably wasn't that important that's great audio content this is going to make for a great podcast (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, okay um what was it going to be because there was something about i think our talent level I, i don't know i think my general take on the alabama game is i think there's like three general outcomes and they're all about equally likely the first one is us just getting blown out like even if it's not like a 40-point loss, just the sort of thing where, you know, they come out, they're up 10-0, we have two first downs in the first quarter, 
and like it just is never particularly close even if the score is only like 20 points apart um then i'd say there's about a 33 percent chance that uh it's like a respectable showing like you're talking about oh this was the other thing okay this was the second thing you're talking about paper tigers and the ability to like stay close with a really good sec team I mean, 2019 LSU, we didn't know it at the time because nobody thought they were going to be that good, but they're one of the best SEC teams of all time. And, like, we had our chances to win. You know, a couple couple less dropped passes in the end zone or third and 17 conversions, and, like, we could have won that football game. Um, so it's totally possible to have two teams that aren't actually close in skill level play close, um, especially early in the season. And so that's that was that's kind of what I think that like thirty three percent thing is is more just a respectable showing like uh, you know we aren't in striking distance in the fourth we never have the ball with a chance to take the lead like generally oscillates between like seven and seventeen points and you know people are like hey Texas played reasonably well and then there's a thirty three percent chance where we actually do keep it really close either make them sweat or actually come away with a win. Um, you know, so the actual probability of winning might be like 10-15% if I had to put it somewhere in there, but those are kind of the three buckets of outcomes that I see. I guess, let me let me throw one at you. Do you break the rules, if Texas manages to upset Bama, do you break the rules and, and rush the field? I know Texas oh, no. in general, the, the, the Texas fan base has the very much the uh, we don't rush the field type of situation going on. Do you break that rule for Bama? No. No? No. My my seats will be too far up the the, the stadium. I, I am not rich enough to be sitting like super low for it to really matter. I'm not coming down from my section to rush the field regardless. But Yeah, I mean, okay, here's the deal. You want to act like you belong. And it's not even an act like you belong, because Texas does belong. Like I understand that our recent history is not particularly good, but we're still one of the eight college football blue bloods. We shouldn't be celebrating a regular season win by rushing the field uh and so you know i i'm not gonna like look down and like get mad if people do because like you know it'll, it'll be students it'll be a bunch of like 18 and 20 year olds so you know like good for them they're having fun like personally would i do it like no just because that's not my it's not where i'm coming that's from that's i still respect our program enough to be like uh you know we don't we don't need to celebrate that utsa maybe uh look at look at you with the hot take of still having self-respect after cheering for this long for this team (laughs) yeah yeah i know um a little bit too early in the episode for that but i'm sure we'll get to those to that level of spiciness on that note number four so fourth wing fourth take the coaches have failed in the transfer portal um so personally i don't really know whether i agree with this take or not um, I think that they've had some really big successes and then also have failed uh, like a couple of positions of need. Um, but I can't really say that what they did was wrong because, I mean, we've turned over like 40% of the roster. We brought in, how, okay, how many starters? So Ewers, assuming he'll start, Mayer will probably start, Ryan Watts will probably start, and then you've also got guys like Billingsley that's going to be a contributor. Um, Probably blanking on a couple. Hall. Hall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe. We'll see if he's actually... (laughs) um, Yeah, we'll see what happens there. But, you know, that's 
that's pulling in either you know you, you basically pulled in starters at 15 percent of positions on the team you know like 20 percent of the team you've pulled in like contributors so it's hard to say that they failed um and if you i think the argument is that the, the okay the reason that i don't think they failed is that if they had to land like a linebacker and an edge player and stuff in order to have succeeded i think that's just asking a lot to bring in like five um within one class uh and then I'm also perfectly fine with how they handled offensive line, so I have no complaints there. But I know many people will disagree. Yeah, uh, especially if your name is Will Bazer, who will inevitably not listen to this episode because he doesn't listen to anything but himself on his own network. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't say failed. There's some areas that you'd like to see more from. Definitely, like you mentioned, linebacker and edge are glaring holes on this team and i think that's fair um especially given how the defense played last year it's it's sort of hard to see how we're just going to ride with more or less the same same group that we had and expect to see dramatic improvement you wanted to see an infusion of talent there uh at linebacker i don't know that we ever really had anyone that was available that you could have honestly said we had a real shot at uh oshan mathis definitely hurts but Ultimately, he's not a game-breaking player. Is he better than any other edge we have? He's at least more proven, that's for sure. But um, I can't say that I really blame the boosters for not bending over backwards to create this monster NIL deal like the one we had rumored for Jordan Addison because he's just not a he's not a game-breaking player. Would I have been happy if we landed O'Shawn Mathis? Yeah. Am I happy that we lost him to Nebraska? No. But I'm not panicked about that. I guess... The, the area where I have the most concern about Sark um, with his treatment of the portal is those guys like Billingsley and like Hall who have this reputation from being at Alabama and being locker room cancers. When you're trying to build a culture, even if those guys understand your system, and even if they played under Nick Saban, who's theoretically got the most stable culture in college football, I that really seems risky. We, we need the need the help. A guy like Isaiah Nair, that's great. That was a great pickup, for sure. But Hall, yeah. I mean, I hope he's good. I hope he gets his head on straight. Uh, Billingsley, I think, is less of a cancer yeah, than I wouldn't say he Hall has cancer, proven to be. Just maybe not as hard of a worker as Saban can demand. But. Right. But, I mean, all of those things can have a negative impact in a locker room that already struggled last year with just sort of being kind of fragile, honestly. Yeah, um, I think that you're right. I don't know that you know bringing if one guy can tank your culture, you're already kind of screwed. So, but you know maybe we already kind of are, and so maybe that's the issue. Like you said, uh, it seems like our culture was not great last year. Uh, team accountability wasn't super high. So, um, who knows? I. Again, I don't think it failed. And then the other part of this that I don't think gets discussed as much is that the portal goes both ways. Uh, so part of the game of playing the portal is having healthy levels of attrition while also keeping the guys you don't want to lose. And I think that we saw a you know, pretty high number of players exit the program this spring, but we kept all the guys that are actual contributors or expected contributors, right? Um, so I think that he... 
in terms of managing his own roster, in ter- like who exits and who stays, I think that the staff did a good job there. Um, so, you know, I think that that also can play into the equation just as the general take of not failing in the portal. So, Yeah, I think that's fair. Especially when you've got, you know, people reaching out to your players behind the scenes and everything, which is the new normal, and you just have to learn to deal with it. But, you know, it's it's kind of a wild rest right now, and we didn't get caught off guard like some of the other schools did. So. Yep. Okay. So take number five, and I think that this, for me, is where it starts to heat up just a little bit. How Are your wings getting hot? Are they outpacing the takes? Yeah, they're outpacing the takes. Uh, I think we've been pretty pretty cold on the takes. There, there's yeah. been some heat there, but not a lot. Uh, but just catching you guys up on these last two, uh, Clark and Hopkins, uh, Calabria hot sauce has chili, sun-dried tomato, and garlic. That was number three. And then number four was from Angry Goat Pepper Company, the Phoenix Cantaloupe Melon and Scotch Bonnet Hot Sauce. All of these have been pretty good. I, I again, I would one hundred percent continue to eat wings uh, with these sauces on there. But yeah, I, they're pretty good. But yeah, I, I'm hoping to see the takes catch up. Yeah. So this one I think is a little bit spicy. Still not that bad, but at least two fret. Two true freshman offensive linemen start a game this fall. Um, so at least one game. They might not be starters the entire season, um, but they have at least one start. Personally, I'm buying the take. I think that we're going to have at least one guy that is a starter for most of the season, if not the entire season. And then once you factor in just the total lack of depth that we have and how common injuries are in, in football... I'm expecting at least a couple other guys to start a game or two there um, if one of the starters gets injured. And it might be more than a game or two there. It might be that they start because of an injury and then they just hold the spot. Um, or they just win the job outright. But, you know, I'm expecting this one to hold true. Yeah, I could see that. Here's, here's I guess, here's a way to make it hotter. Uh, at least two true freshmen, O-linemen, start a game. And neither one of them is Kelvin Banks. All right. Um, I mean, that does kick it up a notch. Uh, I'm still buying it. I think that... Sorry, let me get close. I'm still buying that. Um, You know, Banks is the guy that I was kind of referring to. Like, I think that he'll be a starter most of the season, if not the entire year. Um, And then I can totally see, like, Cam Williams getting a start. Uh, I don't. So Cole Hudson is the early enrollee. I don't know that we've heard enough about him to really expect him to start. Like it, it, we haven't heard anything bad, but usually if a guy's like really blowing up, like the like an early enrollee is, you'll hear about it pretty quick. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, he's another guy that could just if there's an injury to a guard, you know, he's been here since January. I could totally see him plugging in for a game or two. Yeah, I I think the big thing that hurts, obviously a great O-line class to come in, but it really hurts that Cole Hudson was the only one that got to enroll early. That really slows down a guy like Kelvin Banks, uh, Devin Campbell, um, um, Malik Agbo, those guys. All guys that I think, yeah, definitely in the spring, if they were here, would factor in much more heavily to being on that opening day starting lineup. 
Uh, they'll definitely all crack the two deep just because we don't have there enough no scholarship <laughs> players to crack the two deep right now or to even fill a two deep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, especially in Kelvin Banks's case, like make no mistake about it. Playing tackle right or left is hard. It is a hard transition to make. I think even more than playing quarterback, making that transition from high school to college offensive line is where it is the hardest anywhere on the field. I it's, yeah, I, I'm just not going to guarantee that it's going to be Kelvin Banks, even though on paper he is the most talented of the guys that we brought in. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I, I just think between some of the guys that were mentioned, like we're going to find a couple that end up with some starts. Um, and then others, you know, I expect most, if not all of them, to at least play, um, assuming we have some, some big wins somewhere <laughs> in the schedule to get them in. Uh, somewhere hopefully right yeah um, all right then I think it's time for number six uh, so this one was inspired by a, uh, a friend of ours um, so the last couple days we're recording here on Friday the last couple days have been the days where Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban have gotten into a little bit of a shouting match at each other um, so the take is days like Thursday are ruining college football uh, I think there's a lot of talk. A lot of people are saying, hey, I don't like what NIL is like right now. It's ruining the sport. It's, it's supposed to be this you know, holy commitment between school and player where they're on scholarship and you know, you go to school and you play for the school that you love and that's it. Uh, I don't buy it. I think that you know, some of this is being thrust to the forefront. Um, I think that what Saban and Jimbo are doing is really just posturing within their own fan bases and alumni networks. I don't think that either of them actually care or are heated. Uh, I just think they're, you know, they both have an agenda with what they're saying and it's not to fight with each other. Um, yeah, so I, I think that this stuff was going to settle down and the sport will continue on like it always has, basically. just want to throw out there that I am starting to feel it now. That uh, this most recent one is is a little warm. It's not, again, not horrible. Yep. I can handle it. I haven't taken a sip of water. Uh, for those who haven't, don't know, I do have water. I don't have beer today. Uh, I managed to hurt myself somehow, so I am on some anti-inflammatories that the doctor uh, heavily recommended I not drink while taking. So we're uh, we're on doctor's orders right now. Um, so I think that one of the things... Oh, I should not have swallowed right there. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, <laughs> our audio-only listeners... Which, to be fair, is likely a sizable portion, if not everybody, because we've never done a video. Probably almost all of you will never watch this video. Yeah, but so you're all missing out on, A, that swallow. Like, you're about to speak, and I was like, do I have time to, like, cut in here with a comment? I was like, no, I'm going to let him go. And then he swallows, and I'm like, oh, I got time. <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> but then also, like, whenever I was first done reading the take, like, you're about to jump in. And you like like you lick your lips a couple times like you're preparing yourself to like <laughs> like just mentally to actually be able to to process um, so anyways tell me about your thoughts on Nil and the state of the sport yeah so I mean in general Nil I think is long overdue at least from the perspective of, of the players should be paid they have been for at least two decades and honestly longer than that, getting massively undervalued. 
There's a lot of people who are going to argue, oh, the value of a college degree. Yes, there's a lot of value in a college degree. Absolutely. I, no one disagrees with that. But these guys do way more than your average dude does. So if you're an in-state guy, you go to Texas, your in-state tuition is what? $15,000 or something like that? As someone who had to pay for out-of-state tuition at UT, uh, I have little sympathy for the in-state people who say college is too expensive at UT. Um, but you're talking about that. Maybe maybe $20,000. Let's say it's $20,000 for in-state tuition. It's twelve. Like, which is it's twelve? Yeah, and that's more than it was whenever I was there. So, so yeah, okay, twelve thousand dollars. What a great payback! You got less than minimum wage for doing something far more difficult than most people will have to deal with. And I mean, a lot of physical sacrifice goes into that. There, I mean, uh, CTE and all that good stuff, bad stuff that comes out of that. That the toll that takes on your body, uh, I would argue, is definitely worth more than minimum wage. But it's great that the, the dudes are getting paid. It's great that guys like B. John Robinson get Lamborghinis just for being them. It's not being wielded in that specific instance as a recruiting tool, though Bijan did show everyone his Lamborghini at a recruiting event. But that, like that's what I think a lot of people had in mind for NIL is, okay, I sign a football, I can actually get paid for it. I can get a car because I am who I am. I can get money for... Another one that Bijan's doing, being sponsored by Raising Canes and posting and telling people to go get um, their box combo, no slaw, extra toast. That that type of stuff is is what NIL is supposed to be there for. That's the the correct version of it, and that's the version that I think most people are okay with. I understand where the problems come in on the recruiting trail, and even then, I I don't think those problems are that bad. The real problem, I think, that kicks in is when you get into this shit with the transfer portal, where you have other schools reaching out to an Xavier Worthy, telling them, hey, you come out to USC, we'll pay you however much. That Or the shit that USC just did with Jordan Addison. That NIL deal that they're talking about has been in place since before he was in the transfer portal. Maybe it wasn't signed, but in all other terms, it was agreed upon, it was... Um, it was signed, sealed, delivered, and he danced around for a few weeks to make it seem like there was an actual search that went on there. That that stuff is bad for the sport. Like, just being able to... Like, people call it college-free agency, and it is, but it also isn't. Every professional league that has free agency has limits to that free agency. NIL right now being too much of a Wild West is, yeah, ultimately damaging. The, the fact that you don't know... That this guy, barring an injury, barring something catastrophic off the field, you have no idea if any of the players on your team will be there next year. It's entirely possible that if we wanted to, we could go fucking pay the entire University of Arkansas's group to come over. And it just turns into this, let's just, maybe maybe not Arkansas. Let's go steal Bama's group. roster a couple weeks before the game. Right. I mean, <laughs> theoretically it's possible, and actuality it's not but you can lose a significant chunk of your roster a team like Pitt can be good and lose their best player who just had a great season just had a winning team had a team that could take a step forward admittedly lost Kenny Pickett but had it was was building in a positive direction from a program level and he just up and leaves because USC is going to pay him three million dollars for Lincoln Riley to forget how to fucking like, develop wide receivers who aren't named C.D. Lamb. 
there's that yeah. that shit is is screwed up and uh pit fans and pit alumni and the pit program everyone there has every right to be angry that stuff is i think objectively bad for the sport yeah i think that's very true um you know i've mentioned this previously maybe not publicly but as a texas fan like i'm okay with the status quo if the status quo doesn't change like we stand to benefit that's just kind of the way it is uh i do think that the lack of carryover is going to be a huge issue um there's something that's come up in like some other sports and esports and stuff is that whenever your players are constantly changing teams like how do you actually build a narrative from year to year it was already challenging in college football compared to the nfl uh, because you know players have always only been here like four years um so it was already hard and now it's like you can have a commercial one year like um okay so it's just you can have a commercial one year right and it's advertising uh what's his name the wide receiver i'm completely blinking addison jordan addison addison okay yeah is the first name jordan I hope so. Okay. I've been calling him Jordan okay. Addison. I'm, I'm like pretty certain. Okay. God help me. If I don't it's know not. why. I just totally blank. But anyways, you could have Jordan Addison in like all these commercials with him in a pit uniform, and then next year you have Jordan Addison in all these commercials in a USC uniform. And then if you do that with half the guys appearing in commercials, it completely destroys the ability to actually build up storylines, build up public interest. Um, so in general, the you know the original take was days like Thursday are ruining college football. I think coaches bickering at each other and NIL as a whole are not ruining college football. You know I think that it's kind of a uh, a net positive where you're actually having this like standardization of stuff that's been happening in the background for a long time. Um, but I do think that the combination of NIL and the portal are causing some really big issues. But you know I think that if you just put back in the one-year transfer rule, then that takes care of a lot of stuff. Um, you know, the way they enforce that is like an entirely separate point, but just in general, um, having some sort of uh, just something that promotes stability, and even like you're talking about, like in the NFL, the big difference is like the guys are, they have a contract. If they don't play, they don't get paid, so the guys are going to play, right? Whereas in college, you can't quit the team at any time and enter the portal. Uh, but in the NFL, you you can't right <laughs> like you you can't just right. stop showing up to work because it's your job um so yeah it's uh and nil contracts are probably structured that way as well but it's just not quite the same where you have you don't have that same duty uh, to perform your job rather than just being on the roster so yeah well I, I guess the only thing i'd say as far as the coaches bickering being bad for the sport i would say it is uh as a noted nba hater it I think it takes away a lot um, to have the coaches making a spectacle of dumb shit off the field. That That is some NBA-type shit where it turns into these reality TV drama things that aren't even happening on the court. That's, like, I, I have a lot of friends who like the NBA, and they say the off-season's better than the actual season because of off-court drama. I don't... I the, the, the sport, the actual game, should be the spectacle, not this sideshow shit... Where Kirby, not Kirby Smart, but uh, Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban are just snipping at each other about NIL. It's it's stupid, and I think it takes away from the part of the sport that we actually do like. I think so too. But yeah, you know, also in agreement with your friends. Like people love some drama, so 
but it's it's about a balance. Like I think that some of this stuff is fine, but I also, you know, maybe it's just the nil is like a uniquely exhausting thing because I don't know that it's necessarily fun to talk about it with people you don't really agree with, right? And since it is a, the sort of issue that does create two sides, um, like it's not just drama. Like oh, I wonder like what they're gonna say next. It is really like people get heated about it. So um, it's not good for the sport, but I don't know that it's ruining the sport either all right well we before we move on to the next one uh just as an update uh wing five was a hot ones custom one los calientes hot sauce pretty good uh then number six the last one i did queen majesty coco ghost hot sauce um that's out of new york city uh has some habanero and has some ghost pepper so it's it's getting up there um I think the next one, just based on the name, 13 Angry Scorpions Jekyll and Hyde, aged Maruga Scorpion and Chipotle barbecue style hot sauce. It says it's freakishly hot. So that's that's coming up next. Can you uh, can you show us the, the can you show us the plate? Like, what are we? How, did you actually sauce these things, or are you like dipping? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, they're they're I mean, properly covered. All right. Like they're they're. Okay. They're there. So I know. There. Admittedly, I, I probably they might. I I was concerned. Trust me. I spent an inordinate amount of time worried that I was going to undersauce it and it wasn't going to feel legit. Okay. And I'm still a bit nervous that I might have done that. So so far it's been good though. All right. It, it's going well. Okay, good. Because I think hot ones sometimes will let them like kind of escape and just like dip or whatever. But I'm glad that we're staying true to the cause here. Um, oh yeah. I I we're going all the way. We're not DJ Calleting out of this thing all right okay so number seven getting even a little bit hotter the last one was very much doomer this one is very much kool-aid Bijan robinson wins the heisman this year um you know, I suppose i should have eaten this wing while you were talking huh Bijan wins the heisman i don't disagree like i'm sure that he's like gonna have a great year i expect him to have a big year it's just always difficult i think for running backs to win the Heisman. I think it's the sort of thing that, well, just skill position players in general, um, now that Devontae Smith has won it. Uh, I think it happens every couple years, and you have to have a monster year, and then you also have to have, like, not, like, a, a decently down year at the quarterback position, um, which might be the case next year. Bryce Young is the obvious guy coming back to defend his title, but I also don't really know if you can win the Heisman back-to-back. Like, okay, I know that, like, technically you could, but, like, I think it's very difficult to sustain, like the the narrative that is necessary to win the Heisman like that. Um, on that note, as part of that narrative for Bijan, we're gonna have to win some football games. Like they're not gonna give it to somebody from a school like Texas if we win seven games. So, uh, you know, I probably am going to say that Bijan doesn't win the Heisman um, as much just because it's it's difficult to predict. Typically, the preseason favorite doesn't win. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's just hard to do. That's why it's the Heisman Trophy. Um, but I will go ahead and say no on this one, even though yep. he deserves it. Well, I've managed to pick up the hiccups now, which is not going to go well as things get hotter here. And they, they are getting, getting hotter. hotter. Um, yeah, it's one of those ones that's sort of picking up steam after. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. Bijan Robinson is absolutely good enough to do it. But I, th- I think where it comes in is whether or not you think Texas as a team will be good enough to support Bijan Robinson's Heisman campaign. 
Could he get to New York even with a bad Texas team? Absolutely. That's that's the level of player that Bijan Robinson is. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, oh God, I'm not looking forward to these last three if this is only number seven. Um, yeah, Bijan Robinson, absolutely good enough to do it. Need Texas to be good enough, uh, which means we really need PK to be good enough this season to get Bijan Robinson a real shot at the Heisman. Yeah, uh, you know, PK and also um, the offensive line. Kyle Flood's got to get him right. I, I think that Bijan is good enough to, uh, you know, get to New York with a below-average offensive line. Um, but I think that it could end up more like a Sa- Saquon Barkley situation where it's like, oh, the team's pretty good, but, you know, they're not they're not going to playoffs. And, yeah, we totally recognize that he's an incredible running back. He's a top-ten draft pick. Uh, and his offensive line was just really bad. But you can see how good he is in spite of his line. But at a certain point, you got to have the stats. And unless we sort out some offensive line stuff, I don't know that the stats are going to be there, even if, like, the tape is. Because um, the highlights where you break through. <laughs> Josh is going for the water. He's, uh, you know, I mean, I'm fine with it. I'll allow it. I think it was a respectable effort, Josh. Uh, but, yeah. I just, I'm, I'm just scared of what's coming. I know DeBomb is next, and I don't feel like I'm in a spot knowing the reputation that DeBomb has to take that on without sort of resetting the palette a tiny yeah. bit with some water. I think that's that's wise because we do want to get through the episode here. Um, but yeah, you know, breaking three tackles in the backfield is really impressive. Uh, like, it's a really good-looking highlight, but then once it goes on a stat sheet and it's only two yards, like, that doesn't translate the same way, so... Ultimately, it's like the old baseball adage. The reason the guy didn't win the gold glove was because he wasn't swinging the bat well enough. You're relying on a lot of other things that really shouldn't have anything to do with your performance, but they ultimately do on that metric. So, yeah. All right. Let's do it. Fuck. The bomb. All right. The, bo- the bomb is next. Yeah. And uh, the uh, I think the takes are sufficiently hot now. So, Quinn Ewers is the best... Texas quarterback since Colt McCoy. He is not, he might be, not he'll have a good season. He's the best Texas quarterback since Colt McCoy. So that's that's arguing, you know, he's up in that rarefied tier. Uh, to me, I think that, you know, Texas QBs is a pretty clear tier one, VY, Colt McCoy, and then I think you can also make the case for a couple older guys, like older quarterbacks as well. Um, but, you know, that's, that's the sort of status that some people are hoping for Ewers. Um, and I'll say as a you know, redshirt freshman, I don't see it. Um, I think he could have a good year, but I think it'll be much more in line with like Sam Ellinger 2018 kind of year. Actually, Sam Ellinger 2018 would be amazing. Um, but like 2019 Sam, I could see that sort of season for him. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about God, that really hurts the lips. Um, if we're talking about the... I don't even know what the fuck I'm trying to say. Um, if we're talking about single year, there's no way he's going to be the best quarterback since Colt McCoy this year. His career overall, which theoretically might only be two more years, maybe maybe he gets there. This season, I, I, I don't see it being that. I don't think he's going to be better than Sam at his best this year. Um, 
So if we're talking about this year, I, I'm going to say no way. I'd love for him to prove me wrong. Yeah. Holy shit. And, you know, I could see him coming in and being a better pure passer uh, than Sam was. Um, <clears throat> however, like I think that I think that 2018 year for Sam is really, even though I think he was really good in 2019 too. We won't we won't get into the whole Sam Ellinger conversation. Um, but 2018, like he was much better as a passer, and just the extent to which we relied on him to move the offense was like incredible. Like he was one of the most valuable players in college athletics that year, just because I mean that was the year where it was we would just run. QB power to the right, and we converted like 80% of our third and fourth and shorts or something. We were like number two in the country behind Air Force or Navy. It was, yeah, it was Navy. Or no, Army. Sorry, it was Army. Army was the good one that year. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, Queen of Yours, I think, yeah, absolutely a better pure passer than Sam. Um, But it's it's definitely the every <laughs> the everything else of being a quarterback that it, you need time to build that. And, um, I can't imagine that it helps that you're over there dying and like you're trying to formulate a thought and like you know you're finally kind of getting it under control and you're looking around and you look back at the screen and like I have this really stupid smile on my face just watching you struggle. <laughs> I mean it's it's what the people want. Um yeah, it the, the everything else of being a leader, being being the quarterback um at least at this point Part of that is just availability-wise, but it's hard to see Quinn being that same vocal leader that Sam unquestionably was. Uh, definitely was one of those guys who the team will follow to the ends of the earth. And Quinn Ewers very well, very well may be that guy. We just haven't seen that yet. So until I see that, I'm going to say he's going to come up short of Sam Ellinger, uh, especially this year. Maybe that stuff develops in this year, but he's not there yeah. yet. Um, all right. Let's let's uh, hit the next one. Again, we're getting real hot. The the uh, next one, just just so we know, is extra mean green pucker butt pepper company. Uh, this one does not have the. Uh, none of them have had the Scoville a, units. Admittedly, Scoville scale is completely fucking meaningless. They just put ridiculous numbers on there, and no one actually knows what it means. But it only says the heat index four out of five. So I'd be afraid to see what these people think a five is. So so far, have your have the sauces like. Has it been mostly, like, increased? Like, there haven't been any that were kind of a step back down? I haven't noticed any steps backwards. I mean, those first three or four felt very sort of... If it was an increase, it was very very gradual. The last, like, two or three have been a pretty significant step. All right. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Number nine. The ESPN FPI has it right. We are a top five team in college football. Um... I don't really know what to say about this one other than it's very clearly true. Um, Josh down on that wing uh, and looking much more comfortable with it than the last one. Um, But, I mean, is there any argument that we aren't a top five team? Like, they had a formula, (laughs) Josh. There's a lot of argue with this with the data. (coughs) Ow. Okay, that got bad. (laughs) (laughs) That got bad when I swallowed. Um, I mean, yeah, ESPN's FPI for all the shit that people gave it is a surprisingly reliable metric for how simple it is. Uh, very heavily dependent on recruiting rankings, which I think you can see time and time again. Yeah. And 
There is a very close correlation between how good a team is and how well they have recruited. Um, obviously, people saw Texas at number five and just went, oh, shit. If you're a rival team, you're, oh, shit, they're trying to hype up Texas again. If you're a Texas fan, you're like, oh, shit, they're trying to make it seem like we did this and trying to get a bunch of negative attention, get all the clicks, all this stuff. Oh. So, yeah, so on the recruiting... Now I gotta pace myself because I'm so low on water and I don't wanna do the last dab with not yeah. enough water. Um I ultimately I just think it's a situation with FPI where ESPN is aware of where the flaws are or that there are teams that are going to be outliers. Texas is the outlier for recruiting rankings not correlating with their on field success. Um and that works out well. ESPN doesn't need to artificially manipulate the FPI rankings to make Texas pop up there. They're always going to pop up there because of the way FPI is set up, and ESPN knows that. But they still get 75% of their games right using FPI as a predictor tool. That is honestly pretty impressive. So why would why would they change anything? It gets you clicks. You don't have to manipulate it, and it's a relatively reliable tool. So you, you've talked um, a lot about the tool, Josh. But do you? So do you think that Texas is a top five team? The original question. No, absolutely. Not. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no. No. I don't. I don't either. No. Um, you know, as you you already alluded to the recruiting rankings, and I believe it's also that the the rankings ramp. So you know, each year that each year out from a class, it becomes more important until like the fourth year or whatever where. Uh, and the issue with that, for our case specifically, is our seniors this year, in theory, our seniors should be that 2019 recruiting class. It was ranked number three in the country. Rishon Johnson is good. Jordan Winnington might be good when he's healthy. David Binda hasn't played, but theoretically might be a starter slash contributor this year. Which is more of a reflection of our linebacking core than David Yeah, Pendo. and that's it. Like that 2019 class was just a disaster. Um, and so whenever you've got that propping your team up, and like as you're saying, like you don't you don't want to change the formula just for each like on a case by case basis. So whenever that's propping you up, then yeah, it's going to artificially inflate how how this this system is uh, ranking you. That's right. <laughs> this is this is I have this. I have ice cream waiting for me downstairs. We're almost really, there. Uh, we're we're near the top it, of the. This mountain. has to be a really interesting experience for the audio listeners because I can see you're like, yep, that's right, and like I can tell there's more, but then like you got to breathe. And <laughs> uh, but anyways, we can we can move on, not bore the audio folks too much more. So uh, we do have our final take and our final wing. Again, the hottest wing, the hottest take. Um, this might kill Josh, and the take might kill all the listeners just from how hot it is. Are you ready? Yeah, go all ahead. Right. Go for it. Take slash wing number 10. <coughs> Are you going to eat your wing? Well, I kind of want to wait because I want, I want to be able to say, well, I, here, I'll do it beforehand. For anyone who does choose to watch, here's what it looks like right now. I'm going to do it correctly. This is, as they call it, the last dab, where on hot ones, you're supposed to put a little bit extra on there. 
So there's that little bit extra. We'll, we'll wipe that off. I will hold it up to the camera here. Um, yep. li little, little bit, bit extra. extra that got dabbed on there. So here we go, right, going for it right now. Well, you yeah. say what you're going to Texas take. makes a bold game. Boom. The ultimate hot take. Uh, you know, obviously mostly joking. It's not that hot of a take to think that we make a bowl game. We should make a bowl game. We should always make a bowl game. We should always make a big bowl game. Um, but, you know, it's understandable that a lot of people are skeptical about the season. Uh, so, ultimately, I'm expecting us to be pretty safe in bowl territory. Uh, but I'm certainly not adjusting my expectations too far from our win-loss record last year. Um, and so... You know, it might be later, like November, December, by the time we actually lock out the bowl spot. Um, so how are you feeling, Josh? Ugh, it's a natty season, boys. There we go. There we go. Honestly, I didn't even hear uh, what you said other than Texas makes a bowl game. Um, I mean, in general, through this offseason, going through it on Texas Internet, um, Seemingly everywhere but Surly Horns uh, seems to think that we're in for things to be better. And honestly, I'm not so sure. I think the offense will be more reliable. I think I saw enough in the spring game to make me think that the defense will not be better. At least not. Not as much as it needs to be better, um, which is the whole point. Like if you're only allowing 40 points instead of 50, that's still pretty bad. Um yeah, I mean, I think there's still a lot of losses. I think a lot of them are going to be shootouts because the defense is still porous. Jesus, fuck. Um. Um. Yeah. Uh. I I think we can get there. I think seven and five is fair. I think your realistic cap on this season, if things really fall your way, is like nine and three. Um. But I'm I'm definitely sitting sitting somewhere expecting. Somewhere between like six, six and seven wins, really, in the regular season, and hopefully another bowl game. I need more fucking water. <laughs> All right. Well, I will, uh, you know, kind of follow up on that while Josh gets some water. I am a little bit more optimistic. I'm looking at like eight wins here in the regular season because uh, at the end of the day. You know, Texas has talent. We just talked about all the issues with recruiting rankings. Um, but even with those issues in the 2019 class, we still have a lot of really talented guys on this roster. I still think Sark is a talented OC. I think a lot of our coaches are good coaches. Um, and, you know, even PK, like, I don't like the way that he handled the defense at all last year. But the guy was an elite defensive coordinator for two decades. Like, you don't just forget how to coach. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be the guy to fix this defense uh, and, you know, part of the mess is of his own making. Um, but, you know, I'm, I think eight is good progress. You can at least pitch that to recruits. You can pitch it to the fan base. You're not, your seat's not going to be as hot going into year three if you come away with eight wins and a bull win. Um, so I think that that's really what Sark needs to do this year. Uh, and, you know, I, I'd say eight is like, that's probably what I'm expecting. I think we'll hit eight, uh, just because a lot of our issues last year were, I don't want to say they're small things or easy fixes, but we took, what what is it? We clasped defeat from the jaws of victory many times 
last year. So if we can just not be ourselves and not blow up in the middle of games, you know, like that right there is good for another two or three wins. Um, but actually, again, making that change is the hard part. It's easy to say that. It's difficult to actually do it on the field. Like you said, it's about us not being ourselves. Or not beating ourselves, but ultimately not being ourselves. We yeah, proved that's who we were last year. So we'll see. Woo! Uh, otherwise, um, thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Fire Steve Sarkeesian Podcast. This was a lot of hot takes. Literally because my mouth is hot. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at, at the FSS Podcast for more off-pod takes and shit posts. Uh, this will be on YouTube, maybe on TikTok. I've been posting on my personal TikTok some stuff for Texas. A lot of baseball stuff. I'll try and get this on there because I think there's some decent uh, TikTok content for the uh, Zoomers and below. Um, yeah, that way you can really see Josh's struggle. He's got to see it to yeah. really appreciate uh, what's going on here. <laughs> yep. Um, also, make sure to follow... Uh, well, I guess join the Hornscast Discord. Um, we'll see if we can retweet that on Twitter. Make sure to get that invite link out there. Join on there. Give us some feedback. Talk to us about this episode. Talk to us about ideas for upcoming episodes, things you want to see us talk about. Um, also, make sure to follow the Hornscast channel on whatever your podcasting platform of choice is. You'll get updates whenever we go live, as well as any of the other shows, whether that's Pretend We're Football, 4th and 5, anything else that Will Bazer might come up with between now and then. Um, but uh, a lot of great shows to tune into, not just us, um, considering we post you know, basically all the time, and we definitely didn't just take six months off. Um, but yeah, Noah, you got anything else for the audience? You know, I don't think I got a whole lot. Uh, you know, respect to you, Josh, for, for doing this. Um, I'm guessing that it was more difficult than you expected. I had no expectations about what this would be like, but uh, yeah, it's been fun I, for me. I honestly wasn't sure. I, I've always wanted to do this after watching Hot Ones and seeing celebrities react to it. Um, I wanted to know how hot it really got. Uh, I mean, for me personally, the worst one really is the last dab. That one is the hottest. Um, I was told that this version of Da Bomb, they call it Da Bomb Evolution. Uh, they reformatted it to where it had the heat, but I think part of the reason Da Bomb is legendary on Hot Ones is because it tastes awful. This one, I mean, I didn't think was the worst tasting one. I thought the last dab was the worst tasting of all of them. Um, and is definitely the hottest but uh yeah how were your wings were they delicious they actually were pretty good yeah um, and i got you know i got some of them left over here i'm gonna go i, I started off doing like one wing per take and kind of like switching back and forth between the uh garlic parmesan and the hot lemon but um you know i'm gonna have some tomorrow too so they're pretty good and they were actually like like sizable wings they weren't like little skinny wings um so yeah. Yeah. They they looked yeah, they look significant. They look very saucy. Yeah. So uh yeah, they they did look pretty tasty, so um it was pretty good. Well, anyway, uh thank you everyone for listening, hopefully watching, because I think at least especially at the end, my reactions are are worth your view on YouTube. I think there's a Hornscast YouTube channel somewhere. From, we recorded a video. Thank you we for recorded a video, and we're like, you know, we think there's a YouTube channel out there somewhere. <laughs> this will be posted on, but hey, we will find a way to post yeah. this somewhere. It'll just randomly appear in the um, Longhorn Nation game archive, <laughs> like in, 
Yeah. Yeah. In six years, you're going to be trying to be where it is. Google the Alabama highlights of our upset, and you're going to end up <laughs> watching this, and you're going to be like, what the hell? Um, but, Look yeah. at these idiots. Um, yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, I will see all of you guys, as well as you, Noah, uh, for the next episode. Hopefully, um, I mean, I guess we're not... Hopefully, we don't wait all the way until uh, fall practice starts, but... We will certainly have another episode at some point. Uh, Until that time, everyone stay safe and hook them.